0: My guest today is a full-time, very charismatic cypherpunk. In his spare time, he's the CEO of Agoric, a protocol that will allow developers to create composable smart contracts with JavaScript, which went live with its public mainnet on November 1st. From 1994 until 2003, he was the CTO for Agorix, where he co-architected the brokerage information system for Schwab's active traders and the e system carrying billions of dollars for Deluxe and Verify Valid. He spent more than nine years as a principal architect at Microsoft, where he worked on incubating new technologies for future operating systems like Midori. Dean, welcome to the Stakeborg DAO Talks. Thank you. Quick disclosure, before we start, I want to say that our Staking as a Service division, Stakeboard Labs, participated at the incentivized testnet. Cool. So, Dean, I know that uh, Agoric Chief Scientist, Mark Miller, was a Google research scientist and wrote Agoric Open System papers back in 1988. You started to explore smart contracts in 1989. That's basically before I was born. <laughs> I heard I heard Mark Miller saying we were cypherpunks and we wanted to bring a much deeper cypherpunk flavor to the smart contract foundation. What was a smart contract before the blockchain era and how were those early times?
1: Sure. So yeah, so so smart contracts from our perspective were were almost the same as they are now. Um a smart contract is where software is enforcing the terms of a contract-like arrangement between third parties. So eBay, PayPal, Venmo, Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, all of those are smart contract businesses where they only succeed because thousands and thousands of transactions happen with no human intervening, including occasional dispute resolution that again doesn't have doesn't have people involved. And you know, it operates in a fair fashion across a broad number of transactions in a broad number of circumstances and all of that is those are smart contract businesses with a trusted intermediary operating the the smart contract what blockchain brings to that so that predated blockchain is a you know trillion dollar market cap by itself right um what blockchain brings to that though the gold standard from our perspective of blockchain is multiple computers in multiple different jurisdictions controlled by multiple different administrative organizations all coming to consensus all voting to to determine what happened for the execution of a smart contract right so you know bitcoin is a smart contract right lots of lots of computers you know with a consensus algorithm among them to vote as to which transactions happened versus which ones did not and so what that does is it's not that that enables smart contracts it's it's that it provides this enormously high integrity substrate of execution that no human organization, government, et cetera, can, you know, suborn or sneak their cut transactions in or operate, you know, in a, in a, in a, um, uh, uh, in a well, it, you know, have substantial advantage over everyone else operating that environment. So now you, you can run smart contract businesses and smart contracts without having the trusted intermediary. Right. You know, Uniswap, yeah, there's a group that administers it and, and has and can do various things from a upgrade and so forth point of view, but it's not that you submit your transactions to them and then they decide whether they want to take your transaction or or, or someone else's. Right. It's all operating in you know on this decentralized platform that 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 um uh you know in theory, modulo MEV and that sort of thing has um you know op- operates um uh consistently the same for everybody.
0: You know, I, I'm curious to know, what was your thinking process when you heard about Ethereum? Because I, I, have a, I have a feeling that it was more like, holy smokes, finally, we have something that works in, in the fashion that we always dreamed.
1: Well, so when we first envisioned smart contracts, it was really between independent servers operated by different people for their own purposes. So it was not consensus among a bunch of independent providers. It was I'm running my business on my machine. You're running your business on your machine. My machine wants to buy something from your machine. So it's cryptographic protocols between those machines to be able to do a transaction. Um. And so when Ethereum came along, you know that was so the idea of smart contracts, you know, were floating around. Then and we built one. We deployed it. And then Nick Zabo came along, and one of the most important things Nick did is he articulated what we had done. Right. So, so we did some of these smart contracts. You know, we were cypherbunks and a bunch of other people there. But but he came along and said, here's what's unique about it. Here's what 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 you know, here's why that's special, here's why we should do more of that. And we and gave it the name smart contract, right? And um, but it was, but our model was still, you know, some sometimes autonomous smart contracts, sometimes hosted smart contracts, all cooperating. So when Ethereum came along with this consensus thing, you know, there is a vast number of machines working really hard to have, you know, the power of an old cell phone. And you know, for me that was a head scratcher because I was working on, you know, high high frequency trading systems or high transaction systems or you know, and so here's something that it's a million times slower than the systems I was working on. Literally and yet it was getting some legs. So, so, you know, it took me a while to absorb that this synergy was actually um, more powerful. Um, So, so you know, I was looking at you. Know, then we look at it and go, "Oh God, they made some of the basic mistakes of you know reentrancy and and the wrong security model, and that's just going to be a nightmare." And it has, in fact, turned out to be you know multi billion dollars worth of nightmare. But but still, <laughs> it's wonderful that they did this thing because you at least got to see what what real decentralized execution could could do.
0: So you were you were a skeptic.
1: I was. I yes. I, well, yes, but um but i was working in i personally was working in um uh I won't say centralized finance, we were doing an electronic payment instrument. The goal was to take paper checks and get them to be electronic, right? In the United States, there's still 20 billion paper checks every year for $30 trillion. That's a lot of money. And that's a lot of paper. And every other payment instrument other than, uh, you know, other than uh, blockchain payment instruments started life with paper and checks were sort of the last bastion of requiring paper. And so we were getting rid of that. But that involved, you know, when you're trying to revolutionize things in the, in the, Shall we say, legacy financial system? Um, uh, man, it felt like we had to be squeaky clean. So I wasn't spending a lot of time on blockchain and Bitcoin and 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 and, and Ethereum because you know I was sort of staying far enough away that I was you know appeared much squeakier, cleaner, cleaner than anyone you know should be, right? Because we were disrupting uh, this this other payment industry. So so I wouldn't so I wasn't so much a skeptic as I was just far enough away that I had to be skeptical because i wasn't able to dig in
0: what about what about the other uh, cypherpunks from your uh, from your uh, entourage they were when ethereum appeared were they more well this is something that could have legs or it was more like well another try another fail <laughs>
1: Well, so um, really, it was Bitcoin was the first decentralized smart contract. Yeah. Now, the big thing about Ethereum is it could run user-provided smart contracts instead, whereas Bitcoin is, you know, software that's enforcing the terms of this payment arrangement, you know, on multiple computers. So it was a smart contract, but it was a particular one. Um, and so some of the people that we worked on, you know, large-scale enterprise software systems with it at, at, at at Sun Microsystem, for example, was one of the early miners and was heavily into it. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, some, um, uh, many of the crypto folks were into it. Um, but but, you know, the cypherpunks world had kind of quieted down a lot by then. So, you know, I was off doing this centralized finance thing. And so. So, yes, there were definitely people into it, driving it. Uh, Nick Zabo. um the 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 other guy I used to work with a lot on on pgp and other things so you know so there was excitement there and so it's like okay i look forward to getting into this and taking a look once i surface from my current gig <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it exploded all over the place and then there was all these horrible security flaws all over the place and so um come 2017 right it was it was both exploding and you know in in a positive way right you know and and um um and there were all these security breaches that you know, like our our, our um, uh, lead engineer Brian Warner, you know, had pointed out in the security review for Ethereum. Hey, you've got reentrancy problems here. What are you going to do about it? And uh, and they said. Eh. You know, it's fine. It'll be fine. It's, and, you know, and they're right. It's only cost, you know, $8 billion or whatever the hell it is, right? You know, the last, 660 million was the last, you know, re bug breach. Yeah. Um, that was only a couple months ago. The next one will be bigger, you know. Um, so, so, so they're right. So, um, Friends of ours at Foresight, which you know, Foresight Institute, you know, did a lot of early uh, um, uh, nanotechnology stuff. But what people don't know is, it was at Foresight that the term open source was open source was coined by Chris Peterson, that was then director of Foresight. So a lot of this cypherpunk stuff and a lot of smart contract stuff actually happened in you know, sort of discussions of it happened in the community around around the Foresight Institute. So they set up a panel of um, uh, that had. Zuko, Brian, who I mentioned, Mark, Mark Miller, Arch, Archie yeah. scientist. Um, so Zuko from Zcash, um, uh, uh, Jorge from Gravity, and um, Arthur Brightman from Tezos. And it was a panel on, does the security model that these, you know, extended Agorix folk, you know, the, the extended community, the object capability security model, does that model, would that model help? with smart contracts on Ethereum, right? Because we had done this smart contract work back at Sun Labs back in the 90s, where we had done, you know, um, internal large scale distributed system, control system, markets um, for buying and selling compute resources inside the company. And, um, and so it so like, would this stuff help with the kind of bugs that we're seeing now? And there was this wonderful sort of, you know, uh, coincidence that that particular panel Happened when Tezos's uh, public sale happened. So from the beginning of the panel to the end of the panel, Arthur was right there talking, and you'd see him occasionally checking his phone or something <laughs> because you know from the beginning to the end they were like worth another twenty million dollars or some crazy thing. Right? Um, so that was really fun. Uh, it was like you know, put a, put a whole um, you know sort of. <laughs> um, enthusiastic crazy vibe around it but the net result of the panel was indeed the security stuff that we had done for lots of other you know uh web and decentralized business stuff um uh would in fact apply to smart contracts and we should really look at that and we re- and we looked really hard um and so um Markham and Zuko and Naval, and, and they, they pulled me in, we pulled Brian in, uh, pulled uh, you know, Bill Tuller, our economist in, um, in order to figure out, you know, what can we do there with all this technology that we've been working on in, in a bunch of different environments. So, and that so, was the start of Agoric.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Moving to Agoric, in a Medium article from 2020, you wrote this. At Agoric, our goal is to leverage the decentralized network to bring the world's economy online. We do this by enabling developers to write safer, simple, uh, smart contracts so individuals can cooperate safely with anyone, anywhere. Zoe is the fruit of decades of our collective work in programming languages, security models, and economics. We're in 2022, and you've just had the public mainnet. How would you describe what you've accomplished in the last few years?
1: Okay, so first, let me clarify an important thing with respect to the public mainnet, and then I will answer that question. So that I uh, thank you for reading that quote. Just like, yep, yep, we're still doing that mission. Okay, good. <laughs> um, always good to check that. You know, it's easy to get it's easy to get led astray, especially in very frothy uh, uh, kinds of environments. So the mainnet we have working. So we're we're a layered system. We're building on the Cosmos's tendermint. Um, uh so cosmos sdk with tendermint as the proof of stake system that's the battle tested system that's got you know 200 billion dollars in assets so a tenth of the cryptoverse is running on cosmos tendermint uh, in in one chain or another um and so we're building on that that's you know that that sort of um I won't say commodity because it's hard and it's important and it keeps growing but it's solved and that's not something that needed more more of our expertise solving um and so, and then we're building the the hardened JavaScript execution and Zoe layer, and then our smart contracts for doing um, uh, stable tokens and other kinds of things. Um, so what we shipped and have running is the Cosmos SDK consensus layer, is the, the what we refer to as Mainnet Zero. That it takes our build token, BLD, is our staking token that you you know you earned in the incentivized testnet, um, you know pe- people bought when they invested in the company, all that kind of thing. So we now have that running. In consensus, you know, on ninety-ish, ninety or so validators yep. um, with tokens distributed um, and so forth, and we're, you know, get, getting more and more stake to build up to launching the layers above that um, in the next quarter um, that have the Java, the hardened JavaScript smart contract environment and zoe. So we are only partly there, um, and and we will be doing staged rollouts of mainnet, where the first phase is. The initial JavaScript smart contract platform, you know, um, uh, so all of this is running on our DevNet, right? So people can build and play with it and, and learn and develop and extend it and so forth. Um, but the first, or mainnet one, so mainnet zero is what's running now, mainnet one will be the smart contract platform with Zoe and it's all of its safety features that we can talk about, and then our... Um, uh, key elements of market services for the future economy there. And so that will have um, the RUN token, R-U-N, which is the stable token. And that's, you know, uh, to my mind, you know, developers trying to deploy a new decentralized business, you want to deploy an environment that has a native stable token it's just the grease that makes commerce work right you can you can do the kind of ethereum thing where if you think of gas as you know rent or postage it's like you're paying your rent or postage using apple shares yep. you know or or you know apple shares for this and google shares for that and Kinda of works. I mean, it works okay, but there's a reason why economies all developed currencies, you know, stable tokens that they can use. So you can tell whether the, your rent is the same this month or next month, right? Presumably, if you're saying the paying the same amount of ETH for your rent this month as last month, your rent went down because the price of ETH went down, you know. And and the month before that, it was higher, right? You know. And so so um so having having prices that you can't tell whether it's changing over time. Turns out not to be good for you know not to be as a, as good for quickly rolling out and innovating businesses and so that's a, a key element so that's rolling out in Mainnet one, Mainnet two starts to open it up to third party components and evolution where that'll be the permissioned environment where the chain will vote on what additional core contracts to add primarily focusing on market services so that the economy grows but you know core NFT minting contracts and stuff like that. What and then th- finally, Mainnet three is the is the is the version that's permissionless, um, where anyone can deploy any business, and they can easily extend each other and all that sort of stuff.
0: What are the tentative deadlines for Mainnet one, two, and three?
1: <laughs> oh sure, yeah, like I'm going to say that.
0: Um, so
1: <laughs> uh, Mainnet two is the easiest. Mainnet two is between Mainnet one and Mainnet three. I can give exactly. you that for free. That's good. Um, so, okay, <laughs> our target is Mainnet one. Um, you know, in the next quarter. Um, you know, Q1, very early Q2. We just brought on an uh, awesome head of development um, or head of engineering. Um, and he's, you know, he's gotten up to speed fabulously. We've got, you know, getting some nice architecture diagrams so everyone can see how all the pieces work together and all that sort of stuff. He'll come back to me with a date. We'll see what that date is. <laughs> um, but, but uh, you know, our our uh, mainnet three is pr- is gated somewhat by additional features and, and, and largely by a bunch more um, security reviews. We're going through a whole bunch of security reviews and audits and, and, and purple team exercises, and all that sort of stuff for different layers of the system. And the security bar you have to meet when it's running all our code, trusted code, verified code, reviewed code, rather than it's running third-party code that's running on system that can attack stuff and try to steal money. Those are just different bars. So the same security review will produce some issues that we have to address now, some we must address before Mainnet 3, and so it's just going to be a, to be a question of, of, of finishing all those features. You know, it'd be, I, I would be delighted if we can get it in Q4 this year. That, that, that's kind of my aspiration.
0: Okay, so we will have a brilliant year for Agoric. Uh you worked with with a variety of people from from the crypto space but you chose Cosmos. Why yeah. is that and what is uh you you partially covered that but if you can go a little more deep in into the relationship right. you have with the Cosmos ecosystem.
1: Sure. Um so we worked you know, we we, 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 we talked to Vitalik, we talked to Arthur, we talked to, you know, Gavin, we talked to, you know, all, all these different folks. And, you know, part of the reason we talk to a lot of these different technology stacks is, you know, some of them have interesting ideas that descend from our earlier work. Um, but more generally, our target is getting this out to mainstream. It's not, you know, scrabbling over some slice of the DeFi pie. It's about making the DeFi pie a hundred times larger, right? Um and so we want to, and and it's going to take everyone in the crypto ecosystem to get there, right? You know, all of us have a lot of opportunities as we start getting connected to more and more mainstream use cases. And so, um, and so you know, we're happy to work and collaborate with with a bunch of these different projects. Originally, we were looking at using other technology stacks, looking at the, the the smart contract layer to be potentially a layer two on some other platforms and those kinds of things. Um, uh, and that just didn't work out because. The requirements for running, you know, hardened JavaScript smart contracts, you know, for example, you need an you need an account model. So proof of work doesn't work, right? Proof of work is fine if you're working in a in a in a in a box, right? Where your future history, you know, I can have two future histories and then eventually decide which one I want to take and roll back. And you know, uh, Vitalik was recently talking about, oh, L2s don't work because if we do rollback, then the L2s won't follow along and you can't get out of missing it, just like. It's not because L2s are a bad idea. It's because rollback is a bad idea. That's just, you know, that's just fine for, you know, spinning fantasy worlds about how the fan- how do the transactions work and then deciding that one is kind of, you know, voting on that and converging on one eventually. But if I have to ship the medicine on an airplane that is just left, rollback doesn't let you take the medicine back, right? You know, so if you're going to interface to the real world, rollback is not an option. You've got to decide. Now, the brilliance of Bitcoin where it came up with this proof of work thing, no question that's hugely valuable, and it's it's valuable especially for financial things where, again, you can roll back that whole future history or switch between between multiples and look at it, live in a superposition of multiple future states. That doesn't work when you interface to the real world, and many real-world use cases um, uh, resolve to, um, uh, 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 you know, have to interface to physical systems, delivery systems, you know, payroll systems, you know, whatever it is. Um, so we wanted an account model, and so we looked at we looked at Polkadot, we looked at looked at various others, and we were doing a lot of work with Polkadot. Um, you know, there's some really good there's some really good tech there, but you know, but we ran into some technical challenges. We we had a lot to do with early WASM stuff, and we were working with them on integrating WASM, and we were building our stuff to to have a JavaScript engine that ran on WASM and that kind of thing, but it was just challenging um, to get our model to work with their model. And and you know the whole point of building a GORC was to have this safer, better, more composable model. And so that was a challenge. We finally met up with the Cosmos folk and it was like we when found out-
0: Sorry, when was that?
1: Um, we, well, we met them at, zero, at Zcon Zero, you know, and, and and you know, I talked to Zucky then and he was just like, I'm busy releasing Cosmos. Let's talk when that's over. And, you know, I, that, that, I thought that was a polite no, a polite blow off. Right. You know, but he was very, very sincere and very nice. right you know, So come 2019, like January, he, find, he calls up and says, OK, I'm done. I really want to talk to you guys. And he came and he and Tony Arcieri and and someone else, I don't remember who else, showed up and to talk about, ask what we were doing and we're describing our stuff. And it's just like, and it and was like, yes, it's exactly what I was hoping for. We need to work together. right? Um, and the reason I only found out like a year later is Cosmos IBC, Inter-Blockchain Communication Protocol had been deeply inspired by our earlier work in the nineties. So where I said that, that we had, you know our model was independent services, communicating over cryptographic protocols with each other, you know, we were already at a generalizing that to, you know, a blockchain is just a computer made out of agreement rather than silicon. So you get, you know, hundred computers to agree and now that's, you know, Gaia and you get hundred computers to agree and now that's osmosis. And then they talk cryptographic protocols, et cetera. And so the interchain was inspired by that model of these independent chains using those kind of protocols um, to talk to each other, to have evolving cross-chain uh, use cases. And so that's what Agoric was built, you know, was designed from the the, the ground up to do. So when he came and talked to us, you know, Cosmos did not have IBC. They were kind of working on it. They knew they needed to have it. That was the design for it. But it was all independent zones. And when we talked through, well, here's how we're doing. And it's just like, you know, it rang the bells. They, they, you know, he'd been inspired. He had discovered this website, you know, a year and a half or whatever before and came in and told Jay and, and Ethan, Hey here's our solution to the problem here's what we'll do need to do generally and here's a small part we can just get started with now and that'll be our our early IBC so you know <laughs> fast forward come come uh, uh, the first uh whatever it is cosmos conversations interchain conversations in berlin we brought together the hologarch team we brought the hologarch team out um we, you know we brought all of the 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 what is now interchain berlin team out but but the, the tendermint and et cetera folk out and walk through our requirements for our, our protocol and what we were already building, and their requirements and what they were already building to figure out whether they matched. And you know, and it was just, it was just a match made in heaven. It was one of those things where our, <laughs> our core philosophy is the same, which is multiple independent sovereign individuals, companies, organizations, or chains, all cooperating voluntarily. Right. It's not the the parachain model where you, you follow our rules and then you may come in and you must pay us to be in our rule. You know, um, it was it was, you know, <laughs> nope, I can launch this. I don't need you. I can use your tech. But there's synergy if the two of us connect. Let's make that happen. Right? And so it's ph- philosophically. That's what I mean by we, we met our peeps. Um, but it was also technically you know that vision of this interchain stuff well they had all the best practices for how do you do interop between chains and we had all the best practices for how do you reason about large scale asynchronous systems with multiple different independent parties and and you really need both of those and so ibc incorporates all the insights from both of those and that's a big part of the reason why cons- you know why 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 it was hard why it took a lot of reviewers and why once it got out there it's just a it's just a, an enormous change in what's possible um in the world of blockchain that, you know, people are starting to realize that seeing, you know, zones in Cosmos launch connected to multi, you know, to to a couple hundred billion dollars of assets. Well, I guess the interchain ecosystem is now $75 billion. So they launched connected to $75 billion in assets, um, as opposed to launching in isolation saying, I've got liquidity, come play here. You know, it's like, no, no, <laughs> it's like, you know, when, when, when Osmosis launched and they did sort of the IBC go to market, they were getting, you know, The first week, they were already getting $10 million a day in additional liquidity flowing in over IBC from other chains. And it's just grown since then.
0: In a recent discussion at Foresight Institute, you said two years ago, people said interoperability is crazy and composability was that. And now everyone tries to claim they got the most composability and everything is well connected (laughs) and their bridge is better than the other bridge and they have more value locked and so on. Do you feel that the levels of entitlement from this industry are starting to increase in direct proportion to the popularity of blockchain and crypto?
1: Well, What do you mean entitlement in there? As in,
0: I have a feeling that everyone, no matter if his work is big or small, important or less important, tries to speak louder about what they are doing, what they will do. They were the first one uh the first to invent anything in this in this industry and uh, this being the reason why they deserve to have all the uh, users in the world all all the uh, scaling in the world and uh, everyone should speak uh, uh, very kind about their work and so on and so forth so starting a
1: company is hard we you know software would not be where it is unless all of us were over-optimistic, you know, entitled, you know, <laughs> engineers, right? Because um, starting a company, persevering through winters, um, you know, taking on challenges is hard. So there's certainly people that are scammers that go, oh, you should give me all the money because I did this tiny little thing. But part, and part of the challenge is humans have this, you know, I don't know, it, it must be hardwired given how pervasive it is, but very much a zero-sum model. And what what I refer, what what I, this actually came from Eric Drexler, the other author on the Agorical persistence papers back in the eighty eight, a a an additive model where if. I'm the engineer and created this thing Then I produced all the value, whereas you're the sales guy and you sold this thing. If you didn't do the sale, the company got nothing. So you produced all the value, right? And so each of us thinks we're responsible for, well, okay, I'll give you some credit. I'm 90% of the value, you're 10. And you're thinking you're 90% of the value and I'm 10 because, you know, you could have sold anything. So so my stuff wasn't interesting. It was It was because of your sale that it happened. And that model of if you're 90%, I must be 10 is that additive model where it can only add up to 100%. Now you have five groups and everyone thinks that they're the biggest piece. And that's one of the standard ways that companies get problems. The interesting thing is to try and change your model to where it's multiplicative, right? So, you know, I'm... A thousand of the value, and you're a thousand of the value, we put it together and we get a million, right? You know, it's, it's you know, you if 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 I'm you know if we add more layer, you know, if they go to zero, if anyone along that path where I'm multiplying x times y times z, e, if any of those are zero, the answer is zero. And it doesn't have it doesn't matter how big your number is. And so even if I'm, you know, I think I'm all the value, I sure as heck want you to be at least one. <laughs> in order for what we're doing together to make any difference at all. And the same is true of interoperation between companies. Ideally, you know, I've always been in tech, and that's pretty much almost always a growing market. And so while there's always going to be competition on key things, it's a lot more important to cooperate to grow the pie from my perspective. That's always where I want to be is the growing the pie is producing more value rather than fighting over existing value. Um, because that just you know that's that's how we get the better world that I want to live in, and so you know I'm 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 not going to I'm not going to I'm not interested in competing with Up. I'm interested in operating with them so that our assets can be sold to their customers and vice versa.
0: Agoric has two tokens, BLD and RUN. Can you nope. please describe BLD's utility and the pretty scarce economics?
1: Absolutely. So. um... Uh, so so build Bld is is the staking token so like the cosmos atom you uh, use it for staking to provide proof of stake security um and it's at risk if someone if one of the validators uh like yourself uh, misbehaves right <laughs> um uh, uh and and then it is used for governance and as a you know core asset that you can risk in other purposes like 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 supporting run or other protocols. um so that's that's so that's pretty familiar to folks in the Cosmos ecosystem, which was really the place where proof of stake, you know, got first took off. Um, RUN is implemented in smart contracts built in 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 hardened JavaScript, and it is the fee token in the environment, right? So so it is the thing that smart contracts spend to pay for gas, to pay for names, to pay for IBC, and ideally to pay for each other's services, right? So and From our perspective, right, we've had an economist on staff from the beginning. We work with economists advising us, how do you make key institutions so that the market can grow and all that sort of thing. And from our perspective, having it be stable, having it have a stable value is, is useful is makes it a better fee token to grease the economy and and one of the reasons it is separate from build is because the the token the the the, the token that you want to pay each other the token that you want to store value in or pay for gas fees should not be speculative because then you're competing with am I using it as a something I'm investing in yeah. or am I paying gas? And that's been a continuing source of problem and challenge and you know misalignment around MEV and a whole bunch of things in Ethereum that are kind of intrinsic to its architecture and make for friction in the gears of growth and friction in the gears of commerce. And so we want it to not Go up in value. We'd like, but we also don't want it to go down in value. Otherwise, you can't have long-lived contracts that are priced in terms of that asset. So, so you don't see very many long-lived contracts like mortgages, you know, or or or, or insurance contracts on Ethereum because there isn't that stable pricing mechanism to let you have something that would run for 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 five years or ten years. And you know, mo- much of the economy is—you know—the outer economy is tied up in that. We want to make sure those kinds of contracts are possible. So we actually—we don't want it to go up. We don't want it to go down. Then we want it to be stable. Okay, you know, does it have to be? As long as it's stable-ish, that's good enough to make the economy work better. But from an accounting point of view. It's better if it's tied to the dollar simply because lots and lots of businesses um, uh, you already know how to manage dollar priced things. They can compare. Do I rent a conference room or do I do I buy more uh, teleconferencing? Do I fly out to the conference or do I project from there? Do I rent a car or do I Uber? All of those I can compare because they're all in the same pricing, you know, in, in the same medium of exchange, the same uh, uh, unit of value. Um, and so you know, being able to, you know, do I pay with a wire or do I transfer it over over blockchain? They're in the same unit of value, that makes it easy. Okay, but Run will be launched by the community, right? That's, you know, Agoric has built multiple different things, some of which make sense for to, to work together, some of which don't, right? And and that's because it's intended to be educational and be able to talk about different variants and talk about a parameterization and all that sort of stuff. But it will be the, 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 the extended community our original focus was on Agora community to decide what types of collateral to, to to for example support in the in the um run vaults that you can you know bring over at you know, for example, yeah. and and then borrow run against it, like MakerDAO, only much more built into the Agora infrastructure and tied to, to, to IBC. So that ball got rolling. That's what we've always intended to do. But last year, especially in Lisbon you know, we were presenting this and talking about it. And, you know, Sonny Agarwal of, 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 of Sika and, and osmosis, you know, he had the, oh my God, we so, need, you know, his reaction was, oh my God, we so needed Adam back stable going, oh my God, thank you. Right? It's like, <laughs> no, 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 Our focus here is grease for the, Com- wheels of commerce on our chain it's like no no but 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 we can use this right everyone needs this right and and everyone around the room is going oh yeah we need this you know bring it <laughs> right? so, um, so you know the excitement around around the run protocol and the interest you know it's not you know it was always intended to be the community managed thing because you know because you know it's it's currency only works because people because people care right you know it's not it's not you can't you can't inflict it on someone or you know stable token only works for that and so Um, So having it be, and because of IBC, you know, right now, IBC is a $75 billion inter-blockchain communication um, ecosystem, is $75 billion in assets, and there is no asset-backed stable token, right? You can't borrow a stable token against run. You can get Luna and then sell it for USD, but that's not the same thing. It doesn't have the same stability properties that people want to rely on. It, you know, it's 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 less conservative, shall we say? And you know, it's been great that we have that, but it's not the same thing. And 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 any one uh, uh, platform saying and you can only back it with our token, that's not the same thing either. Part of the thing about the interchain, and part of the thing about growing growing into this large you know lots of independent collaborating parties is enabling something where you know someone can bring along a new chain grow it and then you know that they can participate in that run ecosystem as well so that's the goal is 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 we're using it intrinsically we pay fees in it um rewards from minting it flow to all of the build stakers through the process of the economy um, and, and that helps drive the value of the build platform to be high enough to support the, you know, it's, you've got to have the economic value of your staking token grow with the services it provides, or you end up having losing the economic security that Proof of Stake relies on. Um, so all of those properties are true, but the thing that's most exciting to me is that it's a community stable token that 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 multiple assets from multiple chains will be able to participate in. And you know, the better we can get it integrated with things like Kepler and 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 all of the IBC infrastructure, um, you know, uh, uh you know, on Osmosis, on Injective, on Akash, um, you know, in Gaia Hub, you know, usable in the exchanges, all that sort of stuff. You know, the 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 sm- the easier commerce will be for a lot of people.
0: You know, you had multiple rounds and you managed to attract some big names from Metastable, uh, Navals, and through Polychain. And I was wondering, what was the trigger for having all those guys fall in love with you? <laughs>
1: um, so we have an awesome team. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a very deep engineering bench. Um, and And the... Okay, so... The hardest thing to scale is the programmer base. At the end of the day, the hardest thing to scale in crypto is the programming base. Scaling performance, that's just engineering, and we've scaled lots and lots of systems in lots of different dimensions. There are a gazillion startups. No, there's a, there's there's a handful of important startups, but there's multiple. I like Chris Berniski actually said this. Just like we understand, we've seen lots and lots of startups scaling how to, for scaling performance, scaling transaction rates, whatever you know. And some of them, you know, uh, um, some of them are 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 more marketing than tech. You know, um, uh, but but some of them are real interesting tech and some of them are complementary with each other and some compete and all that sort of stuff. But fundamentally, you know, engineers look at a problem and they think of an engineering solution and they go, I can make that better. And they start they start this. But scaling the number of programmers is hard. Right. And the fundamental flaws in Ethereum, which we can articulate to people at like reentrancy and, and the security model, those aren't solvable. Um, and it's just getting worse as people clone EVM to multiple different environments, right? The the innovation of cloning EVM to a different environment does not excite me. I mean, yes, it will be monetarily valuable, and we're we're you know, and and and, and that sort of thing. But but it's not important innovation like the zk rollups or yep. the or the you know Mina or you know um, or what we're doing. And so the big thing that we're doing with hardened JavaScript is is it's a model, first off, it's a language that the last thing I saw was 13.9 million developers. know. 80% of the developers on the planet already know JavaScript. And that means that I can take the, you know, 650 lines. We, there was some security issue in in open yeah. uh, put for Ethereum back, you know, a year or so ago. And we looked at it it's like, oh, 650 lines of Ethereum. What would this look like in Java? Oh, we have one already like that. It's about 40 lines of JavaScript that I can explain to someone that's had three, three months of training. Okay. To make it production, we might have to double it to 80 lines of JavaScript versus 650 lines of 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 Ethereum, right? Is everything gonna be that efficient? Maybe, you know, we'll see, right? But but it's one of those things where the fact that I can explain it to someone early in their career and they can get it is amazing. And the fact and it follows Sort of the 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 modern bar, uh, you know, the, the modern approach that application developers expect that comes from React or Node, where I can grab components built by other people and plug them together with a framework that understands what I'm doing and helps me with it, as opposed to just, yeah, here, here's a language, knock yourself out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that the, you know, that that is the thing that gives the platform legs, and that is the thing that gets people excited. So, so since then run protocol has gotten a lot of people excited, you know, as our first use case of our platform. And, you know, and it's not just that they desperately need, not desperately, that's the wrong term, but but that there's a big gap in the extended interchain and Cosmos ecosystem of having a community-backed stable token. But having it built on Agoric means that it is extensible and can adapt and grow over time, unlike what you would expect in other systems. So We'll start with simple vaults like MakerDAO, high over collateralization to make sure you can take loans against and all that sort of stuff. But we know exactly where to put hooks so that if a market in perps grew, like what injectives building or open yeah. or any of those came over, you know, Vega, whatever and could plug in now, suddenly I could, you know, take, you know, $105 worth of Adam and an insurance contract that would pay off my debt. If Adam falls by 5%, Right. And or 110 and, and, and this corresponding thing. And instead of $200 worth of that, I mean, I borrow, you know, $100 against it. Now you get capital efficiency, not because we're playing funky games, but just because you've made a more sophisticated ecosystem that has more instruments that remain Reliable, strong, conservative instruments, but can compose together to give you better capital efficiency and more interesting DeFi opportunities. And so, so you know that those are all elements that 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 that, that because of the composability, even run protocol starts to drive a programmable environment as a more is a more powerful environment.
0: I've seen the report from Electric Capital. And on the devs who are joining crypto projects, and I remember there were like two, three thousand a month. And I'm curious to know: is this number high? Is it low? How how do we in- interpret that?
1: When was that
0: report? It was for 2021. Okay. Um, there were like it, so, it, was, it was like a peak of three thousand developers a month coming into the whole industry.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And because of interop, you know, and this is one, you know, there are some issues with Solana's technology, right? You know, they're they're, they're like in the database wars when you're talking perf. You know, they 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 they, from my perspective, were frankly dishonest about that, about their transaction rates um, because you know they made the beginner's mistake of including the control signals for consensus in the set of transactions. So they yeah. pretend it's eighty thousand a second or whatever, of which you know sixty-five thousand a second are just to even work. And when they ended up having any kind of interest at all, the interest, you know, the things that people are paying for squeezed out the consensus and suddenly the chain halted for what, 17 hours because they could, because they were so interested in getting a bid on that NFT that they would not finish the consensus process. And so they couldn't vote on a block. That's that's just, you know, that's either amateur hour at the software factory or just dishonest reporting about what your transaction rates are. Um, but, um, uh, but the thing that they did is they really broke open the myth that everything was going to happen on Ethereum, right? There was there, you know, up until 2021, it's like Ethereum is everything. Layer two will be nice, but all this other stuff out there, yeah, it's it's just you know the monkeys. It's just the little boys. It's not it's not it's not real. <laughs> and and that that ship has sailed now, right? That got fixed last year. With and 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 the layer twos and Solana and Cosmos getting IBC together, all of those just crack that myth. And you know th- that genie's out of the bottle. Whatever analogy you want to use, but but but. But that's a really important transition for the industry to have done. And that goes back to that interoperability comment from earlier that, that before that, you know, people, you know, Interoperability is nice for all you little guys, but the real stuff is happening over here on Ethereum, and that's now gone, right? The real stuff is happening because multiple independent projects doing that are expert at one thing but not the best at everything can interoperate with people that are that are better at something else. And that's what makes an economy work. One platform is not an economy. It's 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 lots of people independently doing lots of things, voluntarily cooperating that makes an economy. Okay. So, but nonetheless, you know. It, it it really did look like, and I'd, I'd be interested in the numbers, where there was a non-trivial tapering off, flattening of the curve of adoption yeah. because of the difficulty of picking up these new systems, right? My previous gig was this multi-billion dollar payment instrument. I had lots of people, worked with lots of people in, that were fintech engineers, fintech conferences, all that sort of stuff, many of whom had looked at blockchain, looked at Ethereum, looked at Solidity, and just like, okay, that's a lot of work to learn i you know i can already go program in the tool set i already have for my buddy at a hedge fund you know so i'm gonna go do that right and and the idea of um uh uh you know innovation you know there's still a bar you had to meet for this to be usable for those guys and they got plenty of opportunities in front of them why are they going to go over to blockchain right well now there's lots and lots of froth to be able to attract people but there's still a lot of the senior people that look at it and go you know Call me when you're grown up. <laughs> you know, I mean, or maybe not grown up, but at least you know credible tools. Come on. Um, and so, um, and so, my impression is that the adoption is much slower than it could be with uh, with better tools. It's also, you know, so 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 it's still, you know, the number of developers. You know, you talk about well, we're going to do smart contracts. It'll be wonderful. We'll free ourselves from all this centralized stuff. You know, there are probably more lawyers than in New York than there are, you know, EVM developers. Right. So, or, you know, ETH developers. (laughs) And so you're just trading one priesthood for another. That's not great. And they charge almost as much. Right. Um, And so, and so that going back to that original quote, the whole thing is what does it take to enable so that most of the developers in the world, anyone who can build a web two application could build a web three application. And that means meeting them where they're at, you know, yeah, there's going to be always going to be people that will, you know, as uh, uh, um, someone said, You know, Solidity is the glass you eat in order to get over to be able to do DeFi. It's not a thing people want to do. It's a thing they just, you know, had to do. Well, now they can do other things with, you know, Polkadot and Cosmos and Solana and so forth. Um, But the thing they already know is JavaScript. And the thing they already know is interesting composable frameworks in JavaScript. You know, and, you know, even if they know Rust, they probably also know JavaScript, right? So so it's, uh, you know, so if we're going to get millions of developers there and ramp that rate of adoption up, it's got to be by reaching a whole new class of developers.
0: Speaking of which, tell us more about Blue Lava and the other initiatives that you guys have to convince uh, Web two developers to join the Web three revolution.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, um, so Blue Lava is a is a um, conference series, I think, um, that's being started by um, uh, uh, Jeff Pulver, who's done. You know, in in Web Two, previous series has done several very successful educational conference series and programs. So Agoric is sponsoring it, but it's not an Agoric thing. But Blue Love is fundamentally decentralized web for JavaScript programmers, right? You know, you know, our our contention at, at Agoric, you know, or my, my expectation is that you know JavaScript programmers are going to be the heroes of the next generation of 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 of, of decentralized applications and blockchain you know, in large part because of our technology, but turns out they're desperately needed across the entire surface of this thing, right? Wallets, you know, from, you know, Kepler to MetaMask and so forth, they're built in JavaScript. They're not built in anything else. They're built in JavaScript. And what you want is, All of the world's developers that already know how to do UX, they know their customers, they know what they want, they know how to do user testing, they know all those sorts of stuff. You want them building the tools so that more mainstream users can come in and it doesn't look like, you know, amateur hour at the software factory when they're looking at these applications, right? And so... Um, and so there's already a big window, a big area where fintech developers, you know, web two developers, you know, that are experts in various different areas, game developers, engagement developers, they're already innovating in all the things that we care about in the web two space, right? They're already innovating in how bands will engage their fans, how sports teams will engage their fans, how airlines will engage people that you know that use airline miles. All of that innovation. You know, most of it happens in JavaScript, right? Because most of it's on some website somewhere. And so, you know, our model is those people, you know, even if a Gorg didn't come along, we want them all building and thinking and aware of what they could add value to this very, very exciting, exponentially growing industry. The fact that for us, that means that they also could build the applications. So if you're innovating in you know, engagement for bands. And now you can build these, you know, and innovate in the NFT that's going to run on a smart contract tied together with your really awesome UI and spectacular light show control at the concerts, right? Um, All that stuff we want to empower them to do. But so Blue Lava is just all about starting to make those bridges, starting to make that education happen. And, you know, we'll be working with them. We'll be working with other folks to sponsor additional activities or drive additional activities at some of these major just Standard developer conferences, right? You're developer conferences that happen all over in the JavaScript space, many of which are just larger than the crypto space altogether, right?
0: Before going to my last question, I'm curious to know what you think about the regulation in the the U.S. And, you know, we've heard politicians from Elizabeth Warren to, I don't know, to all those, uh, to uh, Gensler from... uh, from the sec using different kind of weird wording about blockchain and crypto industry and the people from this industry i'm curious how do you see the future regulation in the us and how is the relationship between the industry and not not how why is the uh, the relationship between the industry and uh, the the regulators so bumpy
1: <coughs> so Um, So I'm not going to say a lot about that. Actually, I'm going to add one more thing to the Blue Lava thing. The first Blue Lava conference is beginning of February, so go check out bluelava.live. So it's coming up if you're a JavaScript developer or if you know a JavaScript developer, you know. uh, All right. Friends don't let friends program in Solidity. No, wait. Um, Okay. So with respect to regulation, um, so... One of the things that we, when we were getting into this, and part of the reason why I started this conversation, and I'm really glad you asked about what's a smart, what was a smart contract then? And, you know, and I could talk about and the relation with, with, with blockchain is, you know, we, we, for, for a month or so, all of us, every time we said blockchain, you had to use jazz hands, right. You know, and because it'll have blockchain, you know, and, and it's sort of the, 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 it was the magic secret sauce that enterprises would pour onto their applications and they would somehow be better. Right. You know, and, uh, and we see that happen in sy- hype, hype cycles all the time, you know, now with, you know, now with um, uh, hype, you know, metaverse, right? You know, that's the that's the current, it's anything I want it to be in order to sprinkle some magic um, metaverse dust on whatever product I was already selling. Right? Um, and so we started working, you know, early on in, in Agoric, we were talking to, you know, the stock exchanges and Fidelity and BlackRock and, you know, all these kinds of folks about Enterprise, blockchain stuff, and you know our technology. Tech. and they're very excited about it, but then we realized, no, 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 we want to go the centralized route like JavaScript, JavaScript took over the world because individual developers said, "I can do stuff with this. I'm just going to pick it up, and I'm going to do something awesome. And they did. Um, and so we're in the same we we we're you know, following the same the same path. But they were all very confused about what blockchain did for anybody, right? You know what and and that's why I really focus on the, you know, multiple machines in different jurisdictions and administrative regimes so that no one's in a position, right? You know, so if your use case does not leverage that, it's probably not a blockchain use case, right? If it does not leverage, you know, and, and I explained how, you know, even in a private chain, you know, like um, index data, you know, where they report, you know, here's what these funds are and here's what the stocks are and why the price has changed and all that. And like a, 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 you know, a, a stock exchange that's doing that, if they send the wrong index data, they are financially liable for the trading, the negative results of trading activity by the people they provided the index data to. So if you have a disgruntled employee inside that wants to slip in, you know, Apple price is 20% off and now suddenly there's sell, 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 you know, um, that would be bad. It would be better for them if they had multiple data centers in different jurisdictions with different people controlling them internally voting to agree on what price am I sending for the price of Apple tomorrow, right? And, and so that model, if you're not taking advantage of that, you're leaving something on the table and, and you're replacing it with hype, right? And so politicians are even farther removed from that and even harder to understand what actually the value is. And to a first approximation, yeah, they kind of don't care. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of care about, you know, they, they're always going to focus more on the negative downsides than they are on the value prop. Um, and... Uh, you know, unless you can really make it clear where this, you know, where this is a win and how it's a win for uh, for 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 the community, the biggest issue from my perspective around regulatory stuff, you know, and and and, you know, and Agora does a lot of work to make sure we are very aligned with U.S. regulatory policy because there's a lot of JavaScript developers in the U.S. We would like to not abandon them, but currently the regulatory framework has been such that. Almost every other project says, "Screw this, I'm out of here because the u s regulatory framework is terrible. Um, you know, we put a lot of investment into being co- in being compatible with u s and they're working very hard to make it not having been rewarding right you know it's 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 an enormous amount on on legal effort, and as far as I can tell, it's not doing as much good um you know and and you know moving somewhere else. You know, it's something we have to seriously entertain. And so you're going to get offshoring where one of the number one innovation areas is moving entirely offshore because of how bad the regulatory situation is in the U.S. And, you know, and that kind of brain drain has a long term negative impact on on an economy, on an environment, et cetera. And so, so you know, I hope they get their act together in a positive and supportive way. And there are certainly people working on that. There are certainly people that are that are driving, uh, you know, some of the right kinds of initiatives. Um, and you know, and we all want something that's you know that that is reasonable, so that we can do this kind of innovation in the U.S. Uh, um, you know, safely and for the rest of the world as well. Obviously, you know, my, our our you know our public sale was entirely outside of the U.S. You know, yeah. much of our private sale was to you know asia europe et cetera, the goal of our platform is international support um and, and you know and and um uh uh but you know we'd like to include the us that'd be good <laughs> you know cuz it's like cuz we live here you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so my last question is something that i'm asking uh everyone who who joins me for the podcast but after this discussion i'm extra curious about your answer i swear so let's imagine it's 2009 okay and you are satoshi but you know everything that we learned in the meantime what would you do differently to change the course of history
1: (laughs) um well i would have worked on the general smart contract problem sooner um i don't think I, i don't have so Part of the reason I did not get into Bitcoin early, I deem did not get into Bitcoin early, was Mt. Gox. Right, if you're familiar with Mt. Gox.
0: Yeah, absolutely. um,
1: It was was a gaming platform. And so most of the software I could look at, I would look at and go, you know, I'm working on financial industry stuff where we take seriously protecting people's money. And now you've got this fly-by-net crap software that people are claiming is the next next best thing to me. That was an utter turnoff to the overall platform, and part of the, and is part of the reason I, I I didn't get into blockchain. You know, and I know though people's like you know not in GMI, right? You know, I should have seen through. I just like no, <laughs> no, no. I've been a professional software at that point for still decades at that point. And you look at that and you go, you know, I, I it's just hard to take seriously something that is so bad. And you know, and 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 and. All the things that people were excited about, I mean, we had done cryptocurrency, we had done cyber cash, and what people were excited about, Bitcoin, they were just all wrong, right? You know, it, it it's it's you know, it's not anonymous high frequency transactions that we can do, you know, on the side. It's entirely deeply audited forever, much worse than cash, much worse than checks, much worse than bank accounts and credit cards. You know, it is slow. You sure can't do a payment with this in in a, in a in a, um, in, in a in a shopping line. Right. You know, and so all the things they were claiming about it, they were just utterly confused. So when you combine specious claims about how wonderful it is that we're simply wrong with and terrible, terrible software that, you know, that really impeded, you know, my adoption as, as, as someone who had some expertise in this space. And I think it was, you know, we, we retained some hangover from how bad that was going forward. Now, you know, maybe as a result, it ended up recruiting a bunch of, you know, you know, the next generation of edgy cypherpunks and 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 they knew something more than you did. And, you know, and b- back to that arrogance thing, you know, a lot of this stuff is driven by people who are sure they're smarter than you. They're not, but they're but but it gets them going, right? And it gets them building stuff and 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 the name of the game is getting stuff built, right? You'll say, you know, you know, the, the mantra was cypherpunks built code, right? And so if that gets them building code, more power to them. But but I personally personally, would have wanted to do a better job at that and then get into general purpose programmable stuff sooner. Now, it's easy to want to do more and differently. And then you go, oh, well, you know, you were trying to do it better. And as a result, you shipped three months later and you did not get the traction. And so, you know, who knows how many innovations haven't happened because someone didn't roll out slapdash crap. <laughs> now, Bitcoin itself, that code was not slapdash crap. That was just brilliant. But all the rest of the stuff around it, you know, a lot of it was, was, you know, moving too quickly for safety, but, 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 you know, people flew by the seat of their pants and, and we sure, we, we got lucky. It is as plausible to me that that would have fallen apart more quickly. Um, You know, so, so thankfully there were continuing people to support and it kind of got us through that worst part of the, 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 the um, uh, 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 the technical disaster there. (laughs) But, um, I don't know if that's a, I don't know how good an answer to that. Your question is,
0: but yeah, you did. You did. Absolutely. So that was it. Thank you very much for accepting to, to come at our podcast. I hope, uh, I hope it was interesting for you. It was definitely fun and interesting for me. (laughs) So good luck in everything that you do. You have a very long and hard year ahead and wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you for being part of the Incentivized Testnet and look forward to seeing you on Mainnet. You bet. (laughs) Cheers.